Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Happy to Meet Cute. This is Fallon Ballard here with my intrepid co-host, Courtney Kay. I was going to say an exhausted Fallon Ballard. (laughs) You are still fabulous, Fallon. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Uh, How are you feeling as we are? So just for context, we are recording this the Tuesday right before Stevie Lid. So we have Disneyland tomorrow and then conference stuff starting on Thursday. So it's a bit of a whirlwind this week. Please feel bad for us. We have to go to Disneyland tomorrow. <laughs> it's going to be a really it's hard time. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. But you know, before you travel and then you have to like mentally, it's a lot. It's a lot. And then having partners and children, it's like I have a uh, document that I have of like, Who's picking up? Who's dropping off? Who's this and that? It's like, it's intense. It's a lot. Yeah, I am lucky that I don't have to do that as much because um, I'm so close to home that it makes it a little bit easier for me. That's true. Um, That's true. (laughs) Yeah. But yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot when you're getting ready to do stuff and organizing everything. I have like a ginormous bag. I should post a picture of it on Instagram. That is just like full of shit that I'm taking to the convention where it's just like tote bags and arcs, not my arcs, but other people's arcs that I'm still going to give away because I've already (gasps) read them. And so I might as well. You are to a friend named Courtney. Well, they're all ones that you already had. (laughs) I don't know. We'll see. Because we get all the same arcs. (laughs) (laughs) Ooh, how are you? Are you doing like a raffle? No, I think I'm just going to leave them at my table and then like whoever wants them can have them. They just need a good home. Inquires. Yes. Um, No, but I feel like this is a great conversation. So this is the first time I've ever done a convention in this way. Yeah. To where I've had to like host my own table. And I think that's very privileged, like being a traditionally published author. We like, I've just never had to do it before. Yeah. Um, and I'm indie authors are like, they have their game down. Like they are going to so put good. my table to shame and I'm here <laughs> for it. Um, they're going to be incredible. I, I, I guess so like specifically what has gone into your prep for the convention? Cause I feel like that's really useful to share. Yeah. So I, First thing I did was I made sure I did this early because I knew I was going to be out of town for like most of July. So I ordered um, like a table runner thingy with my name on it. Um, and it's freaking adorable. I'm yeah. obsessed uh, because I just, just stole it directly from my website, which was not designed by me and therefore looks amazing. Oh. Uh, so thank you, Donica. <laughs> oh my God. Sorry. I have to interject because yeah. two weeks ago... Was it two weeks? It wasn't last week. It was the week before. Like that Friday, I had a panic and I was like, so I love that you prepared well in advance and I <laughs> paid rush order shipment no, so I could get this table runner and I used all of Danica's yeah. lettering icons for my website. It turned out so freaking adorable. It's so cute. Um, and yeah. 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 Thank you, Danica. Because- yeah. If there's any graphic 
I am posting or sharing or anything. It either came from Danica or from you. <laughs> DanicaCorral.com. Um, she is incredible. If you're looking yes. for like to revamp your website oh. or just for any like really awesome illustrations, she designed all of our like summer book fest logos. She's um, amazing. She's absolutely amazing. Yeah. Cannot so recommend. Yeah. Um, so I did that. Enough. And then I also ordered from Vista Print, like poster size uh prints of my book covers oh my you're showing me up (laughs) wow amazing i was like okay this is cool because i could use these for other things like i can bring them to like book launch stuff and whatever um and then i may i ask a question yeah how are how are you going to stand them up so what i'm going to do i kind of like was figuring out how I'm going to do this is I have a bunch of those like clear acrylic frames that are like eight by tens. So I'm going to tape the poster to the front of the frame. Boss level shit. Yeah. 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 May yeah. I borrow two actually? Yeah. I'll see how many. I if have. you have extra. I for sure have at least one extra. Cool. But I will see if I can find another one. One would um, be great. Yeah. If that's okay. <laughs> And then this week has all been been all about for me, like making like 8,000 lists of like, what do I need to bring to like the signing room? What do I need to have that I just want to have like in my tote bag that I'm going to carry around with me? What do I need to have like in the hotel room? Um, And I'm like a list monster. So I literally am like all the checklists. I also am a former stage manager and a wedding planner. So I am have like put together like an emergency kit with like duct tape and tampons and band-aids and safety pins. <laughs> so uh, I am that person. <laughs> I am just like, I need to have all of the things and everything needs to be like in its place and ready to go. And, you know, got the snacks. I got a lot of snacks very important to have snacks (laughs) amazing um i'm embarrassed this is like literally my job so i am like on it in a way because i know for me my anxiety will be like out of control if i'm not like super overly prepared you know yeah and like because it's like it's weird for me too because I'm coming on Thursday to like set up my signing table and do all of that, but I'm not actually checking into the hotel until Friday because I'm so close. So it's like, I'm not spending the night on Thursday. So I'm not bringing like, you know, my luggage and like my actual stuff that I need. I'm only bringing like convention stuff. So I'm like trying to like keep everything separate and organized because it's Mm -hmm. coming with me on different days. And I just, you know, so when you're running ready. out the door, it's not like chaos. Yeah. Which it well, will be anyway. And, um, but. Anything you want me to like hold for you. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Sorry, people. Well, I am going to deliver. I already texted Courtney this because it just worked out so perfectly. But I had a wedding on Saturday. And like at the end of the night, the bride and the groom were like, we don't want to take anything home with us. Like, take it all. Do what you want with it. And one of the things that they had left over was like a whole case of champagne. <laughs> Darn. Oh, I was so like, 
oh, twist my arm. I'll take oh. this off your hands. Um, and it was just really, really perfect timing. I did distribute a couple of bottles to people at the wedding, but um, oh. I think I still have like eight. <laughs> I think I, that might last us. I'm not sure. I think we'll Not be okay. sure. <laughs> we are going to have the party room. <laughs> yeah. Um, and by party, we mean pajamas. Yes. And movies. Drinking and champagne. champagne, but in pajamas. Yeah. Yes, here for Um. So on my end, as you can imagine, it's been very chaotic. What? <laughs> um. I so my brain is like so weird in that when I have a lot of big things going on I have like one has to end before I can then fully focus Mm. on the next Uh so I've been doing little things like I did order rush order the table runner I got these cute little like acrylic stands for my books which I feel like will also Mm. count as signage and I'll probably use one to also stand up the artwork because they're very cute and sexy so people be like oh what's that (laughs) nice um and then I have just like some stuff around the house I'll bring like a couple of acrylic trays to put in um swag so it's a little not like all scattered um I have a couple if you want yeah and then um uh what else I ordered some stickers which I don't know if they're gonna be here in time so I actually modified the delivery address um for the hotel oh, so i'm, I'm hoping maybe they'll arrive while i'm there yeah um and then yeah i have swag th- my own swag that i already have i just may not have like the special stickers for the convention but you know that's okay maybe we'll do a holiday thing uh like giveaway and then i have all of the swag from steamy lit oh yeah um i mean steamy lit summer book fest yeah um, and I'm going to organize that in a tray and just some swag that friends have sent, like, because I have a giant table and two books. Yeah. So like, so I, I offered like, send me your stuff and I'll put it on my table so people can just grab and get to know a bunch of different books. Um, and I think I'm going to be so extra and like bring my, I have a pillow that Jenny sent me, which is like my book cover. I'm just like, put it on my chair. Cute. Oh my God. I love that. That's so cute. <laughs> And I really wanted to do a raffle of um, like Peak Perk Cafe mugs, but I wasn't able to get them. Like it was very difficult to get them made. And I went through a few different vendors and it just didn't pan out. Yeah. So I have these really cute like holiday mugs and a candle and I'm just going to like have a little QR code so people can um, probably like register for my newsletter and then I'll be able to pick a winner through there and um they can come claim it like the last day but like that with my books just like something to have on my table and and to give away yeah I love that um are you okay question for you because I've never really done one of these things either are you bringing like stacks of your books or are you just bringing like one sample copy of each yeah I was just gonna bring well I might bring like two of each I I don't know why as a backup. Well, I mean, <laughs> like, what if know. someone steal it? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I doubt that would happen. <laughs> I mean, all, all power to them. But, um, yeah, I don't know. Or I might, um, do like a giveaway. Yeah. If I feel like it. Yeah. I don't know. In the moment. 
maybe I'll do, I have like two of the mugs and two of the candles. So I might do like um, two different giveaways on different days. That's smart. Yeah. This is last minute deciding. (laughs) So today is the day where I have to like assemble all my shit, pack it up. And then um, leaving bright and early tomorrow. I have these little, um, they're called like butterfly shorts. They're like little Mm -hmm. bike shorts that kind of have a skirt. They're skirts. Mm -hmm. It's a skirt, but they're cute. And um, it's like that aerial fin green. And then I have a purple tank top that I'm going to, this is what I'm wearing to Disneyland with my red hair. You're Disney bounding tomorrow. Yeah, I'm really excited. Yeah gonna be amazing um and we're doing a really fun little scavenger hunt at disneyland tomorrow which will have already happened by the time you're listening to this um so hopefully you're following us on instagram (laughs) that's where it's happening and it's gonna be really cute and fun and i'm so excited yay so excited oh and i'm gonna bring extra copy yeah for that oh yeah yes yeah all right (sighs) um so that's why we're tired (laughs) like oh deep exhale (laughs) um but we have an amazing episode coming up today we spoke with jenna levine and she was a hilarious freaking hilarious so hard as Um, you would imagine yes and her book my roommate is a vampire is fantastic uh so we will be right back in just a minute with jenna levine Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Happy to Meet Cute. We are so excited to be here with today's guest. I just finished her book a few days ago. I am absolutely obsessed, and I know that you all are going to be too. We're super stoked to be talking to Jenna Levine today. By day, Jenna Levine works to increase access to affordable housing in the American South. By night, she writes romance novels where ridiculous things happen to beautiful people. When Jenna isn't writing, she can usually be found crying over K-dramas, starting knitting projects she won't finish, or spending time with her family and small army of cats. Jenna, welcome to the show. We're so excited to have you today. Thank you so much for having me. So I'm excited thrilled. to be chatting with both of you. We're so happy Aww. you're here. Yes. We love your book. We love your book. Yay, we love your book. Thank you. It I is love just... your books too. <laughs> oh, thank you. I know that we're recording this, like, it's still pretty early August, but I definitely am already, like, wishing for fall, which is stupid of me because it's Southern California and that's not a thing that we even get. But I was, it just was, like, the perfect little cozy fall book, and I'm just, like, so excited for everyone to get their hands on it. Well, there was pumpkin pie spice creamer in Target the other day, so we're ready. Bring it. Bring it on. (laughs) I don't know. I just have like a moral problem with pumpkin spice when it's still like 105 degrees outside. I just, I can't, I can't Iced do it. Coffee. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. So I lived in Los Angeles. I'm, I'm from California originally and I live in the LA area for six months and yeah, y'all don't really have much in the way of no. seasons. <laughs> seasons. Yeah. That's accurate. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. I think that's so. why we extra like all of the decorations sure. <laughs> like mm-hmm. foods because it helps us feel like something's happening. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's all we have. It's all we have. Oh, yeah. 
Um, okay, well, your debut novel, My Roommate is a Vampire, um, is out now. There's this It's not out now as we are recording this. It is out now as people are listening to it. Um, so can you tell us all about it? Give us the pitch. Yeah, so My Roommate is a Vampire, I think, asks a really important question. One we should all be asking ourselves, which is... What would I do if I, you know, moved into a strangely inexpensive apartment and it turned out that my hot nocturnal roommate wasn't just kind of peculiar, but was also hot and a vampire? Um, you know, who among us has not <laughs> wondered um, what we might do in that kind of situation, right? Um, and so... I feel that my book asks that question and through Cassie's experiences, I think provides a potential answer. Um, So I think it's really an important book um, (laughs) for those reasons. It really is asking the essential questions. My answer would be that I would be living my best life. Yeah. And yeah. I think I, I I I think we most of us would would agree with that, and I think mm-hmm. Cassie does decide to live her best life. It's amazing to me, those of us who have lived in major cities, what we will do for affordable rent. Yes, <laughs> yeah, no, I also think that this it's, is a, true. it's it's a it's a scathing indictment of the lack of <laughs> affordable housing in major cities. Yeah. Oh yes, I so love that. True. Yeah. Yeah, I also love how on the surface, your book and Lease on Love have like a very similar premise, but are then are like so completely opposite. Like, I love that about books. I always tell this to people when they're like, oh, somebody else like wrote my idea. I'm like, it doesn't matter because you're going to do it how you're going to do it. And everybody does it their own way. And that's, that's what's so wonderful about books and about being an author because you know mm. you can take the same or very similar premise and you will never get two identical stories I think that's just amazing I love that it's really um, amazing so where did you come up with the inspiration for this book yes so I am a huge fan of vampires in fiction and yeah, uh, most recently uh what we do in the shadows um which is a hilarious i don't know if everybody it, it's a bit niche is that how it's pronounced niche niche yeah um, niche. but it's a very wacky madcap comedy uh, about a family of, it's like a found family, really, of vampires living together in Staten Island. Um, and it's like they have no idea how to function in modern society. And like the show is about them just being absurd in uh, suburban New York City. And it, it was originally a movie uh, from a few years ago, now it's a TV show. So I just like am, I love the idea of vampires behaving ridiculously. And I also am a massive fan of Beth O'Leary's The Flat Share. Mm-hmm. Um, it's honestly one of my favorite rom-coms. Like, it's yeah. just the, the premise, the execution. Um, I just read it and was, like, obsessed with it for, mm-hmm. and, and still am. And, 
you know, I guess I, I also, you know, I've always loved vampires in fiction. I've always loved ridiculous, like absurdist humor. Um, like my whole life I've, I've loved, you know, the Muppets are things that I, you know, just the way they are so uninhibited and silly. Um, and I was like, wouldn't it be fun <laughs> if I took, you know, some of the things that I love <laughs> and just sort of put it in a blender and wrote a book? Um, that's kind of how this came to be. Um, and then I wrote the book and here we are. Amazing. And this is your debut novel. Jenna, can you tell us a little bit about your writing process with this book? Yeah, so the writing process, it went really fast. Um, and I've heard from a lot of other like debuting writers that their debut novel uh, was a relatively smooth, I mean, I guess compared to subsequent books process. Like I, I had, I've been sort of percolating on this idea for a few years. And so... Um, a lot of the humor, the way I wanted to tell the story, a lot of it had been sort of marinating for a long time before I started writing. Um, and so it came together really quickly. I will say that because a good chunk of the book is epistolary, is that how it's mm. pronounced? Yeah. Told through text messages and letters and emails and so on, um, that I wrote it I, I'm normally a very linear writer. Like I write this scene and then I write this scene, but this, because it had like chunks of story being told in very different ways. Um, this one was definitely were like, okay, so today I'm going to write the epistolary elements from this chapter, this chapter, this chapter, and this chapter. Um, I, I, I'd say I, I jumped around a lot more when I wrote hmm. this book than more sort of like, books that don't have the, I think it really was the epistolary part of it that led to that more than other things I've written where it's a more linear process. But yeah, it really, once I actually sat down to write, it came together very, very quickly um, in a matter of trying to remember. I mean, quickly for me, like I'm not a very fast writer. So I'd say maybe like five or six months. I had like a solid draft for me. That's fast. Mm -hmm. Um, I know of other writers are like, yeah, it came together quickly, eight weeks. I mean, I'm, that, that, that wasn't, I mean, I do know, yeah. Um, but yeah, no, it was, uh, yeah. Does that? That's amazing. Answer it? Okay. Yeah. That sounds so fun. It was so much fun to write. It was just a blast, the whole thing. Well, and that really comes across in the text too. Yeah. Yay, I'm so glad to hear it. I'm so glad yes. to hear that. It totally reminded me, um, I used to be in theater and there is this sort of like rule in comedy that when you are playing a character who's like so ridiculous, you have to play it earnestly. Like you have to play it as if like all these absurd things that are happening are like actually the most important things to you. And that's how you make it funny. And Frederick just like is that mm -hmm. like it's so absurd but it's just like so genuine and so earnest and I just like you just like fall in love with him immediately because he's so ridiculous but it's also just like so heartfelt and mm -hmm. you can't help just be like no oh. oh, it makes me happy to hear um because as I was writing it I definitely was like this is ridiculous I think it's a ton of fun but our readers going to be like what the fuck 
No, it's what we <laughs> no. need. We no, need no. it. Actually, so it's, it's really, I'm really relieved and happy to hear that you think that it worked. They'll be like, what the fuck? Where has this book been my whole life? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, I remember seeing this interview with Greta Gertwig, and I know I'm jumping us ahead a couple beats, but then I'll pull us back. Oh, I'm but... delighted to talk about Greta whenever, <laughs> I know, anytime, anytime. wherever. So, so she said that Margot Robbie and Ryan Gosling were the perfect, like nobody else could have done Ken and Barbie the way they did. I agree. Because of like you were saying Fallon they were so earnest about mm -hmm. what they did and like that's what this story is too like it's just so <laughs> earnest like I love how you lean into it and embrace it and because that's the ride we want to go on and that speaks to the success of these like this kind of humor like Barbie you know like mm -hmm. it's it's in the vein of that humor of like it's extravagantly perfect like if that makes sense it's like perfectly it's a perfect amount and we just yeah. it brings us on that escape that we need and so thank you for that oh my gosh to be in any way even in like the same conversation like mentioned <laughs> with the masterpiece that was that I mean I just I'm a little overwhelmed um, I agree the I am 10 scene um uh -huh. oh like, my god so good. I know. I mean, that's like my favorite scene of all time now. The mm -hmm. the, the song is so earnest to the exact scene. Exactly. With the pool toys. <laughs> to the like 50 can song and dance review at the end. I mean, oh my sorry. god. Maybe so I'm good. getting off topic, but when they when they <laughs> ride in on imaginary horses as the dream houses are re-emerging. I can't. I was done. I was like, "There's this is the finest scene to ever be recorded in yeah. film history." Precisely. This is exactly. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But when you're filming that as <laughs> actors, you can't be in the mindset of like, "Oh my god, I look like a freaking idiot right now." You have to be like, "This is the most important day of my life, and I'm going to do this, and I'm yeah. going to take it seriously." And they nailed it. Yeah. They nailed it. Yeah. Did you have it's a perfection. moment as you were writing My Roommate is a Vampire where you were like, we're going balls to the wall. Like, this yes. is, this is it. <laughs> yes. I'm leaning yes. in. Yes. I would say the third act. Sweet. Mm. Um, <laughs> uh, for sure. And that was definitely the part where I was like, all right, I'm just going to lean into this. This is what I've been leading to. Let's, I, the reader, I, I, I was the, and I was the most nervous. I was the most excited about the third act for all of those reasons, but definitely, and remain the most nervous about it um, because it is so uh, committing to the bit. Yes. And yeah. don't you feel like that's a trademark of great art though? Like, I feel like when oh. you're really pushing yourself <laughs> as an artist, you're excited and nervous simultaneously and there's no like you can't separate the two because something big is happening <laughs> yeah I mean I can't say that like yes this is this book is great I can say it. we can say it yes. for you Jenna um but uh yeah it's definitely something that in talking with other writers um as I've been on this journey it definitely seems to be a great unifier yeah for all of us who are trying to put our stories out there that we care about. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, 
I think another thing that comes along with being a debut is this sort of shift that can be a little bit hard to process sometimes when something you have been doing as a hobby or for fun or, you know, with career aspirations, but, you know, maybe just not there yet Mm -hmm. is how we handle this transition from writing being something that we do solely for entertainment and for ourselves Mm -hmm. to it's now a job and there are contracts and, you know, there are deadlines that you have to meet and there's money on the line. Mm -hmm. Um, And I don't think any of us really have that figured out yet, but I would love to kind of hear. (laughs) I actually came on this podcast hoping you would tell me how to do it. We're not, that... we're not good at that. Oh. <laughs> Shoot. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I, this has been something that, I mean, and, you know, I, I, I'm obviously like, I, none of us are unique in this, but I've definitely been grappling with this from the moment I signed my contract, from the moment I got an agent. Um, yeah. It's, yeah, I mean, it's been something that I've wanted to do. For a long time, uh, but was something that I fit in around my life, around my day job, which at the time was my only job, around my family. I have a daughter, I have a husband, I have an army of cats. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, the second uh, you have a contract, you have deadlines, you're actually getting paid, the calculus changes completely, and so it is the, 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 necess- the necessity for balance. It's not a hobby. Um, and I, I'd say that, like, and this maybe isn't really a, 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 may, a thing that affects other people that much, but I'd say one way that I've, particularly as I lead up to debut, that I've really had to rebalance things is social media. Um, mm-hmm. Up until the point I got a book deal, I used social media to, like, waste time, to, like, fuck around, have fun, catch up with friends. Um it has become a part of my job and um, you know, it would be a happy way to waste some time and, you know, shit post and, but it, it, it has become so much more fraught and stressful. Mm, yeah. um, and so learning, and I, I don't, this may be a unique to me kind of thing. Um, Cause for example, I never used Instagram before I got a book deal. So like I never, I, I learned how to do it for book stuff. Um, but I've had to learn, uh, like, painfully, uh, how to set boundaries on my time on social media because it's a job now. Not, I mean, I have private accounts and whatever, but like my primary accounts are this. Um, so that's something. And then also, like, it's not like it, it takes up so much more time than it did when it was a hobby that I fit in around other things. Like, it's not just yeah. there's money involved, it's that it's money and a lot more time needs to be spent doing it. Um, and so the only, you know, the I, I try as hard as I can. Like, I have a calendar and a schedule and it's like, okay, so this day I'm going to spend X amount of time writing because on Tuesday I have this, 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 and this for my day job. And it works a little bit, but as anybody who's been in any kind of creative venture knows like the muse doesn't show up at 10 AM on Monday, because that's when you have slated for writing. Like you can very well be like, okay, now is my writing time. And you're staring at your computer and it's like, I, I I don't, I don't know. (laughs) 
don't know what happens in this scene. And then yeah. later on, like you're in a meeting at work and it's like, oh, now I know how that's supposed to go. Oh, but I don't actually have to be at work all day. Um, and so I think and I, I, I've met a lot of writers who really, and I, I think that like one thing that I'm slowly learning not to do is to feel like I'm a, a time management failure. Mm-hmm. for struggling with this like I I know a lot I mean I've I, during the course of the past couple of years I've met other writers and I see so often like oh my gosh you know I I'm struggling to balance all of this and I I think maybe the first step to balancing it is accepting that this is extremely hard to balance yeah. uh maybe a little bit impossible <laughs> um yeah. maybe completely impossible I think it varies a lot depending on like if you have a book a year coming out versus a book every six months. Um, and I think that like, it's just, you know, I'm just rounding at this point. Feel free to stop me at any time if this is boring or, you know. No, this is all great. Um, and I think that like people at, at some point, like if, if you truly are balancing two careers, and I think a lot of writers are, especially at the beginning, you need to just accept that like some of the things that you view as hobbies I mean I think like writing is no longer going to be a hobby Mm -hmm. like if it was a way that you vented frustration at the end of a busy day or it was just fun like that is sort of an outlet that's gone um and I think people don't realize that until they're in the thick of it that like not only you're going to have less free time one of the things that used to be a fun outlet you are going to lose that it is not that that's just not there anymore um, and so it's really, even though you have less free time, I think it's important to try to identify other outlets so that you aren't just emptying your well all the time. There's something else that's filling it. Yeah. That's my thought. That's <laughs> <laughs> so relatable. No, like, yeah. Yeah. And I think add reading to it too, because there's no way to really separate, you know, your brain from, oh, this is, this is benefiting my writing, you know? Yeah. And I will admit that book stuff. And you know, the pat, my, my book comes out three weeks from today uh, at the time we're recording it. And really the past two months, I have really struggled to read for that reason, mm-hmm. Courtney, but also um, because like, I, I just don't, ha- it doesn't um, feel like fun. Yeah. Yeah. Anymore. Um, yeah. Even things outside of my genre. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So I feel that. I feel that yeah. a lot. Yeah. Um, and I don't want to, ruin this for you but that part only gets worse (laughs) as you go because then all of a sudden you're reading things to give blurbs to people you're Mm -hmm. you know reading early copies of things which is all fantastic and like I love that like I think that's like one of the coolest parts of the job is like like, getting early access to things yeah it's it's the best but then it does become like Oh, so if I'm reading a book to give a blurb, like I'm reading that differently than if I'm just like kicking back in the lounge mm-hmm. chair and, you know, reading on vacation, like those are two different things. Yeah. Um, and so sometimes those lines get, get blurry. So I have a deadline, um, like a month after my debut comes yes. out. 
And so mm-hmm. I'm hopeful that after those two huge things happen, that I'll have the, I mean, my attention span is also shot. Like yeah. Yeah. the actual ability to focus on the written word is, is compromised. I'm hoping that at least at that point, there'll be a window where I can. Um, yeah. There will. Read. Yeah. Yeah. You'll get back. Yeah. Yeah. And I live by audiobooks now. Like, and I know on NetGalley, um, I am able to listen on NetGalley. So like early advanced copies, which is super helpful for the podcast and for blurbing. Um, I can listen, like it is a robotic voice, but <laughs> I don't know. Oh, it's fine okay. for me. Like it doesn't bother me while I'm doing other things. And um, it's just that. And then like mixing up different mediums, like I'll... Mm. The other day, yesterday, I read like two graphic novels and it was like, oh "Oh my God, I love this joy of reading again. Mm -hmm. And it didn't feel like it was the sustained output of, you know, focus. Um, And it was like very satisfying because I was able to complete them. So things like that have kind of kept that alive for me. I love audiobooks for mm-hmm. that reason and was not aware that you could get them on NetGalley. Um, it's I more really like struggle. The... Oh, sorry. Go I ahead, struggle Donna. a lot with like Kindle, like you, like electronic mm-hmm. versions of books. And this is a, mm-hmm. this has been an always thing. This isn't just since I've become a published author. Um, and so that I struggle with NetGalley for that, but I, I was mm-hmm. not aware that you could, I, I'm going to have to try that. Because I do love audiobooks. Yeah, they have audiobooks, and then they also have like a read to me feature. Okay. I believe I it and was the like, robotic voice. Yeah, would, yeah, yeah. I have to say, how are the um, smut scenes <laughs> with the robotic voice? Amazing! Uh, like you, you, you really couldn't ask for anything more. Oh, outstanding! I love it when robots <laughs> talk dirty to me. <laughs> yeah, that's great. <laughs> Okay, I'm not an audiobook person, but now I'm like, do I need to have the robot reading me, Stevie C? And his, I'm, I'm, I can't even do it. I was trying to appreciate his lips were his lips were plump and kiss bitten after we had just made out against. It. Sorry, I can't. I can't even do it. Sorry, amazing. Oh my god. I will say, and this is obviously not an ad, but um, contact us, Kindle, if you would like it to be an ad. Um, the Kindle Paperwhite <laughs> like changed my reading because really? it. I was I was always used to read my eBooks on my iPad. Yeah, and I just got to the point where I was like, my eyeballs like cannot exactly. handle exactly. this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so I finally got the Kindle Paperwhite, and it's like a game changer because it's all your ebooks but it's not like a screen it's incredible i and have to look into that it's uh, so good because Fallon, that is exactly why i struggle with ebooks um yeah. i yeah. will have to look into that that could be that could really help me it was totally worth it and i can read arcs so much more comfortably now and mm-hmm. i also do the thing where i send my own manuscripts to my kindle oh so that i can do read-throughs when i'm like about to start revisions or like i'm back to drafting my fourth book and i hadn't looked at it in like eight months so i was like okay i'm gonna send it to my kindle and i like sat on the beach and like read my book and i was like look at me working <laughs> on the beach <laughs> Um, but it really helps me like get back in that headspace when I need to do that. 
I'm definitely going to have to look into that. I'm yeah. super low tech and like usually the last to learn about awesome things like that. Um, but I will, I will definitely look into that. Cause um, I, I think also I, I read a lot on a computer screen yeah. for my day yes. job. And so it's just like, it's a lot. I it's, it's just too much. Yeah. Your brain yeah. can only take in so many pixels through your eyeballs. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. The other, another thing I do, which I have to say, it has been life-changing for me. Um, and I've been doing it probably since like Pitch Wars 2020. Um, it's this app called Voice Aloud Reader that the amazing Angela Montoya told me about. And it will read any document to you. And you can pick the voice. So you could have like an Australian accent. You could have wow. um, anything like that. Um, and yeah, if you just download like the document on your phone or it can read EPUB books, it can read anything to you. And that's actually how I listen uh, to most early copies that like aren't on NetGalley. Um, or like if I'm critiquing or beta reading and also I'll read, I'll listen to my own manuscripts while I'm reading on the screen, like for line edits or past pages, because, you know, my eyes might miss it. But if I hear it in my ear, I'll be like, oh, mm. <laughs> but anyway, for any, uh, you know, listeners who are interested in that, it's called voice aloud reader. And it has been absolutely life changing. Yeah, no, I'm making notes of all of these things. <laughs> <laughs> I love this. Um, I will also, I'm making a note to myself, I will put links to all of that in sweet show notes um there is that. like that period of i remember this period of almost grief for that shift in um mm. your writing being just yours mm -hmm. it really i mm -hmm. it was this unexpected grief that i felt of like oh this is never going to be the same again yeah and yeah. You, you do transition and you adjust and then you start to feel the joy of like your team around you and yeah you know it's like a new kind of joy but it it is definitely a shift and I think it's okay it's absolutely okay and very normal to have all those feelings I, I I'm really happy that you said something about that because I definitely feel like I'm experiencing that right now yeah. um I don't know if I'd call it grief 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 is pretty accurate um I think anxiety yeah that too <laughs> yeah <Terror. laughs> yeah um, and as a result, like it's, it's, uh, you know, I, I get, you know, I see comments people leave about my book, who, early readers on Instagram. Um, but I've definitely found that intentionally going on review sites like NetGalley or Goodreads, I, I can't do it. Yeah. Don't do um, yeah. I, um, I went the last time I checked my book on Goodreads was before anybody except my closest friends had read it. <laughs> I, and like my, and like, but, but like the second it went public and people actually, I, I, I haven't been back. I think for that reason, I just can't, Good for you. I just can't do it. Yeah. Um, and I know there are people who do go on and feel like it's useful. Um, and I'm, Oh, you're, you're shaking your head now. <laughs> like, oh. no. Don't do it. Don't do it. <laughs> I, I mean, I haven't been, um, but I'll continue. But it, it's it's more just like I, for the same reasons that you said, there's grief, there's anxiety, knowing it's out there and so on. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
It's really interesting with your debut too, because I feel like there is just like this attachment to it. Mm-hmm. And like my debut wasn't the first book I wrote, like not even anywhere close. It wasn't even the first book that I ever like had out on submission. And I just, there is just like a feeling with that book in particular, where it just feels like so much a part of you. Yeah. And that can be really hard to see people saying negative things about something that you're so emotionally attached to. Um, And that did get easier for me with book two, but that's probably just because I hated the process of writing book two. So I was like, whatever, I don't care what you say about it. But there is, it's just like, it's, I only have one child so and we all only have one child. So I can say this, but I feel like it's maybe like with your first kid, like, of course you love all your children equally, but like, there's just something a little special about that first one. Yeah. <laughs> so I only have I one kid. the oldest child. I, I am also the oldest child. She's <laughs> too. Uh, and I, I have I have one teenage daughter, um, but I am the oldest child, and yeah, yeah, you know, there's something about the first. Um, no, but I, I, I'm being. I mean, I sort of feel like the first book for a lot of people is like their passion. The second book is often a contracted. Yeah, book. and it's obviously an idea that you're excited about, right? Like you wouldn't have pitched it, you wouldn't have agreed to do it. Um, but yeah, I, I, I can t- only having one book that's coming out, I think I can relate to what you're saying. I would also imagine that like your skin gets thicker at some point. Please yeah. tell me that it does. Okay, yeah. Sorry. I think that's well, true. And yeah. I, I have like experienced- I don't have thick skin at all <laughs> yet. So. Well, and being an artist, you know, it's hard to have thick skin when you have to be so vulnerable for your work. But um, yeah. one thing thing and I don't know if it's thicker skin but just more of like a sense of I don't know a little bit more ease or fluidity like with the second book it's like cool I did it again I can do it again a third time I could do it more times like that this is this one book doesn't make or break me or my Mm. career like we can this is a fluid career it feels that way right now yeah debut has that feeling but yeah um, I, I will say too, that like, and like the, the lead up to debut has that feeling of like, mm-hmm. oh my God, the day it comes out, it's like, um, almost feels like you've already lived a thousand lives with this book, right. With the buildup, but mm-hmm. the day your book comes out is just the beginning too, of like readers going into the shops and, and picking up your book. And, you know, it really is the beginning of a whole world and it's, not the end. It's not like the pinnacle monumental. It's a big milestone, but it is not the end all be all. You know, and I I have to wonder, this is actually really reassuring to hear as a almost debut, because that's definitely the sense I'm getting. I do have to wonder if this has shifted over the years, over like the past few years. Do you feel Hmm. like there's more pressure on debut? I mean, we're all relatively... Hmm new in the mm-hmm. it just seems like yeah. there's a lot of emphasis and pressure on the debut I think a lot um, of it has to do with social media and marketing okay. and the and the pushes okay. that are focused there mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. because you know if you, if you think about it like where else is that pressure coming like if we put away our phones and the internet it's like where is that pressure coming from yeah, yeah. that's true I actually uh 
I have this app called Freedom. Ooh, I like the I, name. <laughs> oh, I know. And it's amazing. And I actually, I use it to uh, block social media. I just, I mean, I've been using it on and off for years, but I, in the lead up to my debut, I'm using it to block large sections of the internet for like 22 hours a day. Nice. Um, Smart. I'm, I'm already like very stressed and that just sort of, cause I think you're absolutely right. Like if we're never online, if we're never on social media, it's all coming from there. I think for yeah. the most part it is. And then yeah. um, Alicia Thompson told me mm-hmm. the most amazing thing. So when I was in like the throes of debut, yes, Alicia, we love you. Um, you know, it's hard when you see all of the lists, like Book Riot mm-hmm. and what Book Bub, like all the, what's the other one? <clears throat> I think they, so they come, there's so many. <laughs> but, you know, you see like, oh, the the 19.5 best romance novels. <laughs> you know, there's like the most random number. And like, while it's so amazing and feels so cool if your book like gets on there, if it doesn't. Right. It's kind of like in the moment, it feels like this huge deal. And then Alicia was like, well, Courtney, you know, it's just one way for your readers to find you. Your readers are going to find you with these lists or without. Like it doesn't, it's just one way. And so looking Mm -hmm. at it like that kind of took off a lot of the pressure of those like external lists and kind of made it feel like, you know what? Yeah, like it's just another way for readers to find my books, mm-hmm. but it's not the only way. There's so many ways. And there's also no way. And I think actually the, the very hardest thing about all this is letting go of things I can't control. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, my day job, like every other aspect of my life to this point, like I have it, my career, my, yeah, I, I've been very, you know, the outcomes, <laughs> relate somewhat to you know what I did to to get there and I have some control over it quite a bit of control and there's predictability and you know I guess even if like a particular list you know I agree 100% with Alicia in what she just said to you but in all I mean she's just wonderful um but like also like we can't control if we're on no these lists or not and I think learning to let go of everything, which is just that I can't control, which is like almost everything has been, uh, it's been a work in progress for me. It's a really steep learning curve. Um, But when I'm, I think I'm I'm definitely better at it now than I was a year ago. Yeah. Yeah. Because you can obsess over those kinds of lists, whether you're on it or not. Like Exactly. Yeah, I think that is one of the hardest lessons to fully, fully digest is that it's not your job to sell your book. Yeah. Um, Your job is to write the book. Mm -hmm. And there are other people who you essentially are paying through the sale of your book to sell the book for you. Mm -hmm. And it's so hard to accept that. Mm -hmm. And also, I think that there are publishers out there who sometimes make authors feel like that it is their job to sell the book, which is not the case, but also just this idea that what you do to sell your book doesn't actually make a difference. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you're maybe if you're lucky, what you do is going to sell like a hundred copies. Like it is nowhere near 
the effect or the impact of what your publisher is going to do to sell your book because that's their job and that's Mm -hmm. what they know how to do and they are spending the money to do that. Mm -hmm. And it is really, really tough as a debut writer to know and understand that and fully accept that it is completely out of your hands. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's so hard to accept. And I do think that publishers don't spend the same amount of energy promoting all of their books. Oh, totally. Um, And that becomes apparent very fast. And so I think people feel like, well, my publisher is not doing enough or not doing what they did for this author. So I need to take matters into my own hands. But I think you're completely right in that you can really put a lot of time, like blood, sweat, and tears into it and sell a couple dozen books. And and you just have to weigh, like, is that output worth worth that for you? Or would it be better served, you know, doing self-care, you know, or just Mm -hmm. like taking a break? And Mm -hmm. I mean, and just a note that like, obviously we're all speaking to trad pub but indie pub authors are all powerful like i don't even understand no i'm scared of you (laughs) they are i mean oh my goodness they are incredible of nature i mean yes yes oh my goodness yeah just blown away by the energy the work the commitment like they can do everything. Yeah, it's wild. Yeah. And do it really, really, really well. Um, yeah, for sure. Amazing. Yeah. Godspeed. All right. Um, okay, so we touched on this a little bit earlier, but we need to go full on dive in to Barbie. Cause I was saying we have Yay. like sort of touched on it a couple different times on the podcast, but not Courtney had seen it and I hadn't seen it or like we were just kind of all over the place. Um, and I, just my favorite part of the whole experience is at the end of the movie, there was a couple sitting in front of me, guy probably in his like mid to late forties there with his female partner. And he like stands up and he looks at her and he's just like, I didn't get that. <laughs> Watch it again. <laughs> I love it. I was like, uh-huh. Amazing. How it was amazing. would it have been? Because you know they did a fourth wall breaking there where, hell, where they were like, Margot Robbie was the wrong person to cast for this particular point. Which, fair point. Um, but how hilarious would it have been to include a scene like that like at the end of the credits? <laughs> Like a fourth wall a like a meta. Yeah. Um, that that was so that is a very meta experience you got to witness there. It was um, hilarious. It was like perfectly timed. I was mm-hmm. just like, oh yes. Good for you. You are sir. a meme, buddy. <laughs> you are the point of this movie. Wow. <laughs> so good. Um I feel like I need to see it like four more times. Yes. To like fully process. So my daughter, who's 15, um, she loved that there was a series of Barbie movies maybe 10 years ago. Maybe it was a little longer. She discovered them when she was in preschool and loved them. Um, they were animated. They may have been direct to DVD. Mm-hmm. I suspect they were. Um, and I was like, oh, you, she had no interest in seeing it with me. But now she just started high school and like 
some of the new kids that she's met saw it and loved it. And now she really wants to see it. I think it was because I was the one that was excited about it. Like <laughs> no 15 year old yeah. is going to be like, yeah, my mom thinks this is good. I want to see it now. Um, Which is also the point of the movie. <laughs> <laughs> it, is, it is. It is. No, absolutely. No. And it, that's, that's so amazing. Like I think depending on, who you were as a viewer, you could be like a, a guy in his mm-hmm. mid-40s there with his female partner. You could be someone, uh, <laughs> a 47 and a half year old mom. <laughs> Not that I happen to know any of those. Um, <laughs> or you could be a teenager and like your, I think, attitude towards watching the movie in the first place and your takeaways from it are going to be, I mean, I think they're going to be really different because like America Ferreira's speech, like I was sobbing during her monologue. So Um, good. Like every word of that rang so true. But then I was talking with my daughter's friend and she's like, you know, I think that was not, that was aimed maybe more at, at, you know, people my mom's age. Because I think Mm. like a, you know, a 14 year old kid may not have experience yet, yet. Um, all yeah. the things that she talks about. Um, and it's not that many movies, I don't think, that can mean and symbolize so many different things to like different viewers the way mm-hmm. this one seems to have. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Does that make any? Totally. Yeah. 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 I definitely had that moment in that speech too where, and I like, was watching the movie. I was just by myself going to the movies, which is like one of my favorite things to do. Oh, I love um, doing that. It's the best. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it really is. Um, but yeah, there were like people, obviously it was like <clears throat> a pretty full theater, but there right. were like people sitting around me and I was like, oh, I'm the only one like having like an emotional response to mm-hmm. this. Mm-hmm. So it was really interesting mm-hmm. to kind of like take in that like because to me I was like oh my god how is everyone not hysterically Mm -hmm. crying right now but yeah it 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 does mean different things to different people depending on your perspective and where you're coming from with it Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and that is a brilliant movie like if you can have this completely wide demographic of people all going to see it and appreciating it and taking different things away from it like that Mm -hmm. means it's a pretty genius work of art and I feel like too, like they really knew their audience. Like there were yes. some specific point. Well, Ken's so, like serenade. That <laughs> song was from a very specific generation, and I was dying, mm-hmm. laughing, hysterical. And so the first time I saw it, I was with um, like some mom friends. We took our kids, so some parent friends, and they, we were all on the floor like dying we were all crying hysterically at the crying hysterical points to us and at the america ferrera speech who by the way i'm obsessed with her but um like everyone in the audience like applauded and cheered it was amazing and then i went the second time and i'm i had the same experience internally but the people next to me were like so stoic i'm like are you mm-hmm. okay <laughs> Are you, so are you going? I watched it. So I went with Lauren Kung Jessen, who lives. Uh, yeah. Lauren. Yeah. She's, uh, she lives in, uh, she's my homegirl. She lives nearby. <laughs> Amazing. Um, yeah. And, uh, but we had like, we live in like suburban Tennessee. And, yeah. uh, you know, we had a very stone faced 
audience. Um, I noticed this immediately because the scene at the very beginning, which was the callback to the two, the movie 2001, where they're playing with the dolls mm-hmm. and they have the dun, dun, yeah. dun. I was on the floor because I'm a sci-fi nerd too. I was losing it, laughing my head off <laughs> at the reference to like this sci-fi classic movie where the like she's beating the, I don't know if you've seen it. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I know exactly okay, what okay, you're talking I'm about. Like, um, and nobody else laughed. I mean, no one really laughed. Um, I mean, I think they liked it, I but was it dying. wasn't, yeah, it wasn't, uh, the, the interactive theater overall, the interactive theater experience that I was having in my own head, um, <laughs> <laughs> as I was watching it. So oh, I just, I loved every second of it mm-hmm. and I, I truly appreciate Ryan Gosling's commitment not only to portraying this character on the screen, but every interview he has done mm-hmm. is freaking mm-hmm. priceless. Like, I just, mm-hmm. I love it so much. But my favorite one was when he was talking about how he wasn't going to take the role or he was considering it or whatever. And he went out and his daughters were like playing Barbies and their Ken was like face down in the dirt. And just like, <laughs> totally discarded and like not even a question of like him being a part of their little scenario and I was like oh my god it's the best and it's totally true and I just loved every second of him in this movie (laughs) the interview that I read I did see that one and that was hilarious um he was like responding to I think internet critiques that he was too old or not the right person to play Ken. And he dropped like, like a bunch of F bombs in this. He's like, anybody who says they give a shit about Ken is fucking lying. Fuck you. (laughs) You don't give a shit about Ken. (laughs) Nobody. That's the whole point of Ken. Nobody cares about Ken. His story demands to be told. I mean, he was so like, like, I'm like, this is incredible. Like, was this man, you know, ask this for your readers. Was this man put on earth to play this role? Because he may have been. I think so. And um, I was one of those people who like, when he was first cast, I was like, really? And then sure. I like seeing like a still image of him. I was like, okay. But then yeah. the first trailer came out and I was like, oh no, I was completely wrong about everything. <laughs> yeah. No, at first I was like, huh, this guy's in his forties. All right. okay but as i saw the i saw the interview that you mentioned but the face down in the dirt i saw and i was like he is committed to this and i was yeah yeah so good and it's like because it could have been like it could have been that like yeah yeah. you needed somebody to be that committed Mm -hmm. to it precisely yeah and like i think we all knew yeah i think we all knew margot robbie was going to like do excellent as well as like all the incredible other actors that they casted and then it's like ryan gosling i think because i had really only ever seen him in more um serious roles i guess and so i wasn't sure how it was gonna go but then i have to say i liked ryan gosling before but now i am obsessed with ryan gosling like this was a new level of ryan gosling and yeah, I can't get it. I literally can't get enough of it. 
This was told... my first time seeing him in anything. Mm. <clears throat> okay. Have I told my Ryan Gosling story on this podcast? Oh God, Fallon, don't oh, do I, this I to me. I haven't heard it. I haven't okay. heard it. Have you? Don't so... do this to me. I'm going to lose it. <laughs> Many many oh, years ago oh no oh no no, no. it's a good one you oh, met okay. him didn't you you met him yeah shut the so, fuck up <laughs> i hate you i mean <laughs> this was so it was like right before i was gonna get married so that was in 2011 so like peak peak hotness ryan gosling um <laughs> i was out with like two of my girlfriends we were doing like a pre-bachelorette bachelorette kind of party so it was just the three of us but we were like super dressed up also i was uh, like a month away from getting wedding married so i was like the hottest i have ever been in my entire life um i don't know i think you i think the hottest you've ever been now oh stop it thank you right now (laughs) oh and you know so we were like dressed up and we went to Musso and Frank's, which is like this classic Hollywood restaurant. Like it's the oldest restaurant in Hollywood. It's been in a million movies. You've definitely seen it. Um, and we were like, you know, had martinis at the bar and thought we were very cool. You were, absolutely. <laughs> and it's our, cooler than anything I've ever done. <laughs> yes. Our, our server comes over to us and he's like, hey, guess who's sitting in the other room? And we're like, what and he's like Ryan Gosling sitting at the counter in there and we were all just like oh my god cool be cool be cool and so we are like paying our check we're exiting the restaurant and we're like okay so we're gonna walk like right by this like counter this dining counter that he's at and guys like we gotta keep it together (laughs) so we walk by and he turns around no. and Mm-mm. I think I was walking first, but there was like three mid twenties girls all dressed up. So he turns around and he had to tow each one of us, just like the full body oh, oh, like oh. smirkiest smirk. Oh. Like he knew, he knew exactly what we were doing. <laughs> and it, it's just like the best moment of my life. No words were exchanged. It was just the look, but that was all I needed. Right. It was perfection. I'm going to die. Happens. That happens. Wow. Does Matt know about this? Oh, of course. <laughs> Immediately. Amazing. I, I bet he wished that Ryan Gosling checked him out as well. I mean, he would have been into that. Who would not be into that? Would it be? Amazing, amazing. I don't think we can be friends anymore. That is astounding. That was the best day of my life. Um, Not my wedding or the birth of my child. No. That's... I don't... Oh, Court's left. She's just done with you. She's out of- I killed she, her. She's dead. Oh my God. Are you okay? No. Um, no, that is nothing, nothing remotely that amazing has ever happened to me. Um, that, uh, can I tell people I know somebody that that happened to, or am I not allowed to- <laughs> Please, as long as you mention my name, that's oh, totally fine. Will. Yes. And I'll, I'll, I'll mention your books as well. My so, ex-friend yeah. Fallon. My friend Fallon Ballard, <laughs> the author of, uh, yeah, yeah, Outstanding. I'm so oh, my God. 
Um, You're like that Rachel Green. I'm so happy and not at all <laughs> jealous. I don't. I have not. I got nothing. I got nothing. That's amazing. Um. Yeah, well, I'm that, sorry to just, have shut down the podcast like no, that. No, that's the perfect way to go. That's the perfect. Yeah. Well, and the great thing about that story is it's like you're you're uh, it, it's it's appreciated in value over the years. It really has. Um, it truly just, has. Like like that story in 2011 was was awesome, but now it's like yeah, I mean that story I'll be should be that out mm-hmm. a lot this year. <laughs> Everybody's going to hear that story. No, you this need year. a teacher. <laughs> Ryan Gosling <laughs> drank me in like a tall glass of water. His eyes lingered in the chest area. We can definitely say that much. I bet you felt that gaze like that. Oh, I did. I'm sorry. <laughs> cool. Cool. I- cool. Like the expression on his face is like burned into my memory. Like that is how. (laughs) I love this for you. Love that. Love that for you. It was a highlight. It was like when I'm, you know, taking my final breaths and my life is passing before my eyes, that moment will definitely be there. Yeah. Yeah. As it should be. (laughs) As it should be. (laughs) All right. Well, we are. <laughs> we have nothing left to discuss. I, I know. Honestly. I was going to say we still had a topic left to talk about, but we are running very long, and we don't want to keep you here all day. Um, so I think what that means is we will just have to have you back at some point in Anytime. the future, Jenna. I'd love to chat with you. Again. <laughs> we adore this you. Is awesome. This is awesome. Oh, so good. I haven't laughed this hard in a long time, so I needed that. So thank you both. Likewise. Likewise. <laughs> Um, but before we let you go, can you let us know what you have coming up? Like if you have some in-person events, you've got launch stuff coming up. So tell us yeah. all about it. So, so everybody can I, I, for those of you in the Nashville area, um, on August 29th, I have a launch event at Parnassus Books in Nashville. Uh, you can go to their website and register for it. Uh, and then uh, I have some events that I'm also very excited about in smaller towns uh, that I have connections to. I'm going to be in Bloomington, Indiana, which is where I lived for 11 years uh, before moving to Nashville, where I started writing this story. I'm going to be there on the 29th at Morgan Stern Books, and then on September 8th in Chattanooga at the book and cover. Um, and I love all three of these bookstores very much, and I'm just so excited to be able to do events at them. Um, and I'll have like, like on my Instagram, I'll also have like ways to sign up for anybody that's interested. No pressure. Oh no, that's <laughs> pressure. You people are yeah, going, everybody- if you're in the area, you better be there. You do not want to miss this. Well, I get it. If you aren't going to go to Bloomington, Indiana for this. So. I have to say Parnassus well, is one of those bookstores that I'm like, it's like on my bucket list. Yeah, of me bookstores. too. I'm stunned that they let me be there. Oh, stop. They're lucky to have you. No. Yes, I'm sure they're so excited. I'm like, really? Okay, thank you. 
Um, but they're also, I live in Nashville, so it's, you know, they oh, do cool. a lot to support local authors, which is wonderful. So that's amazing. Yeah. Um, and where can our listeners find you online? So I am on Instagram at Jenna Levine writes. Um, I have a website, which we discussed off the record during this podcast. <laughs> I am bad at updating. Yes, um, we all I, are. By the time this goes live, I will have it be current on everything. So you can find me there at uh, jettalevine.com. Um, and it mostly just has like a link to books I have available as well as links to events I have coming up. Um, Instagram is definitely like for much more current information. I'll post things there. So love Yay. that. Well, Jenna, thank you so much. This has been an incredible conversation. Um, Yay, I'm so glad you had me on. It was wonderful getting to know y'all and chatting with you as well. Love this. So, you too. We're so happy for you. Yay. Thank and you. Thank you. My roommate is a vampire is freaking amazing. Go buy it and uh, yep. you won't regret it. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. <laughs> All right. And listeners, thank you for listening and we'll talk to you next week. Thank you so much for listening to Happy to Meet Cute. If you enjoyed our podcast, we would love it so much if you would give us a follow on social media. We are at Happy to Meet Cute on Instagram. And also, if you could please leave a review and subscribe, that would be amazing. If you would like to follow your host, you can find Courtney at court underscore K K A E on all social media platforms. And you can find me Fallon Ballard at Fallon Ballard everywhere you imbibe your social media. If you would like to buy any of the books mentioned in this episode, you can find links in the show notes and a special shout out to Zachary Kibbe and Matt Ballard for our amazing theme song. Thank you so much for tuning in and we hope to see you next time.